Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, let's give it up for our kids one more time. That was incredible. See them celebrate today with us. Hey, we are, as Jeff said, this is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is uh, the, the day we, we remember Jesus coming into the town of Jerusalem. And it was the last uh, week before the cross, and we celebrate that and the resurrection on Easter this next Sunday. But so as we do that, man, we've got seven days until Easter Sunday, which is, you know, I think one of the most exciting Sundays that we can be a part of as a church. And so I want to remind you about kind of the three things we're encouraging for you and your family uh, on this Easter Sunday. First is to choose a time to worship with us. We have three identical services, 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. And so I want to encourage you to come to one of those. Um, and I want, to, I want to say this, that you know, we have something around here at River Club called River Club Time. And, and what that means is, is that whenever we start something, most of you guys feel like it starts about five, six, seven minutes later, okay? And this is kind of part of what we do. But I want to tell you this. If you come at River Club time next Sunday, you're going to miss the start of the service. And you don't want to miss the start of the service. That first element is going to be something pretty cool. So make sure you're in your seat, ready to go at the service start time, because we don't want you to miss out on that. Second thing is, is that we've been inviting you, wanting you to serve. And so hopefully you've got a chance to sign up to be part of our all-in push to serve. If you haven't, you can just go stop by the information center today. We'll get you signed up. And then right after this service, downstairs in the community room, we've got a 30-minute training for all those who are going to serve this Easter. If you didn't come to the training last week, I want you to come this week. If you did come last week, you don't have to come back again. And so 30 minutes, wanted to excite you, celebrate kind of what's going on, cast some vision, and then let you know how to serve and what's going to be happening this next week. Third thing is, we've been talking about inviting people to come. And so we've given you guys some invitation cards again. And we know this, there's a lot of ways that you can invite somebody to come to church with you this next week. And we showed you one way last week of how we're encouraging you not to invite somebody. So we've got a second installment about this. So let's check out how not to invite somebody to church on Easter. Hola! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Hola, amigo! Hola, mi amigo! Por favor, uno momento. Ah. Hola, vecino! Uh, te gustera venir uh, conmigo a la iglesia el domingo. Mi iglesias es muy dorito. Dur dorito? Uh, oh, <laughs> dervitido. Uh, y se puede transformar tu vida de pecano. Oh, pecado. Pecado. <laughs> not, not pecano, but, but uh, pecano es muy delicioso. Si? 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 See, I, I don't even know. See. I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English. Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't. I don't speak the language. Seriously. Yeah, I never. Seriously. I never learned the language. Seriously. What were you saying? Never mind. So anyway, 
one way to not invite your neighbor to come to church with you this next Sunday, but three ways we encourage you to, kind of three options, you kind of choose your style. There's what, what we're calling the current style, which is social media based. So you can share um, our social media posts. You can go to uh, riverclubchurch.com slash Easter, find out some information, send links to people, all that kind of stuff. The second is what we're calling the good neighbor approach. And so that's baking, you know, some cookies or uh, a cake or something like that. And if you're not a good baker, buying cookies and putting them on a plate and then taking an invitation card to your neighbor, just saying, hey, you know, we'd love to invite you to come to our church. You can make sure and do that. And the third way is the classic way is writing a handwritten note to somebody. I know you guys are kind of like, do people still do that? Some people still do that. Write a handwritten note to somebody, put the invitation card in there, and either mail it to them or you can actually take it over to them as well. So we want to invite you to invite somebody to come this next week. Um, and so make sure you're a part of that. So, hey, if you're new today, I want to say welcome to River Club Church. And so we are um, wrapping up a series called Love Fredericksburg, The Art of Neighboring. And, and I don't want you to worry about coming in at the last week because whether you've been here for the whole series or this is your first week here, I believe what we're going to talk about today is very applicable to your life, no matter where you are, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, no matter whether you're younger in ages or you're a little bit older in age, like this applies in a very profound way to everybody. But to kind of catch us up where we've been, we've been looking at this, this, this idea of what does it mean to truly love our neighbor? And we began talking about this in the first week with a question. And that question is found in a book called The Art of Neighboring, written by a couple different pastors. And, and here's what they said. They said, what if the solution to our society's biggest issues has been right under our noses for the past 2,000 years? And we began talking about this, that in our culture, people are more isolated. People are more fearful. People are more lonely than they've ever really been. Yet there's so many different ways that we have to connect with each other. Well, what if the solution to those three things isn't something new like technology, but it's something that, um, it's something that, you know, we, we has really been there for a long time. And we've been going back to Jesus and Jesus teaching called the great commandment. And it's this teaching, this idea that he says to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That if you love God and you love your neighbor, then that's the key to living a great life. And so we've been saying for this series, what if we, instead of saying love our neighbor, kind of love everybody, what if we specifically said, what if we begin to love the people directly around us? And so we've been looking at this idea of how can we truly love our literal neighbors, the people that are right around us. So maybe it's the people in the eight houses on your block or the people in the eight apartments in your complex or the eight townhomes, wherever you live, college students, maybe you live in a dorm and it's like, these are your eight dorm mates and, and rooms around your dorm. But how can we specifically begin to love not just everybody, but specifically begin by loving our neighbors? And so we've been talking over the course of this series about taking a next step to get to know our neighbors. To love our neighbors. And here's been the, the cool thing is so many of you have shared stories with me about going over and meeting your neighbors, taking food over to your neighbors, you know, all that kind of stuff. I shared a, a story last week that we had a neighbor two houses down that we've lived next to for 11 and a half years, but we've never really gone over to say hey. And so we, we went over there to say hi to them. We've gotten to know them. So you're taking all these kind of steps. 
But the reality is this, is that if we take this seriously, we're going to come to a tension point. And here's the tension point. We're going to begin to get to know people and get involved in people's lives and then realize that we may not have time to be as involved in the lives of people as we really hoped we did. Because there's a, a limit to the amount of time that we have, right? There's a limit to the amount of energy that we have. And so we start saying, okay, well, if I've got these eight neighbors, I've got to become really close with them. How can I become really close with these eight people when I've got my own friends, I've got my coworkers, I've got other people in my life? So it's this tension of, okay, we don't have enough time to be close to everybody. And in the book, they actually talk about that tension. They talk about this idea of, you know, having limited resources. And here's what they say. They say, as you get to know your neighbors, you begin to recognize that you can't be everyone's best friend. And maybe you've realized that. Maybe there's more people in your life than you feel like you have time to really invest in in a deep relational way. And so you ask this question. How should I decide with whom to spend my time? So how, how do I decide who I need to spend more time with than maybe somebody else? So I get to know my neighbors. How, how do I know who's the, the neighbor that, that God really wants me to invest more in? that really wants me to spend more time with? Who do I need to be close with? Who's the person around me who's wanting me to be close with them? Because we have that limited time, but then there's also the reality that not everybody has time for you. And not everybody's gonna respond to your invitation to friendship and to being a good neighbor. And they're, they're the same reasons why for many of us, we've kind of had to overcome this idea of how do we become a good neighbor? There's, there's different reasons. In, in the book, they talk about these five reasons. This is the first reason that people don't necessarily respond to your invitation to be, to be closer in relationship is because they're too busy. That they're just like us. They've got all this stuff to do and they ask the question, well, I just don't have time. Now, we've kind of said we need to make time for the people around us because it's a priority. But maybe they're not there yet. And so they may not respond to your invitation to come over to dinner or whatever because genuinely, they're just too busy. Another reason is this, is that they're actually wary of you. They're, they're, they're kind of nervous. You know, for, for some of us, the, the step has been getting over some nervousness, getting over some fear, reaching out to somebody we didn't really know and trying to get to know them a little bit more. Well, they might be th- thinking the same thing. They might be feeling like, I don't really know why these people are showing up in my house with a thing of cookies when we live next to them for five years, and all of a sudden, they're inviting me over to dinner. Like, what's going on? And maybe they're thinking you're kind of a freak, and they don't know if they want to spend time with you, right? And so sometimes it's just, hey, the, the people are, are wary. We're, we're nervous. We're cautious. The third is this, is that they may already be relationally full. Relationships are kind of like a gas tank. When you put the the fuel in the gas tank, it's going to reach a certain point where without overflowing and spilling everywhere, there's not enough time. There's not no more room. And so your neighbor, the person you're reaching out to, might be relationally full. They might have the type of relationships, and they're not really looking for you to to be that close friend to them, right? Uh, Another one could be this. It's a different stage in life. Maybe your your neighbor on the the side over here, they don't have kids, and, and they don't want to be around kids. And you have kids. And so you're saying, hey, come over for dinner. And they're thinking, I've, I've heard your dinners. I'm not going over there, right? I've seen your kids outside. Unless they're not going to be there, I'm okay, you know? Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe you have kids, but you to get envious every time you go over to the neighbor's house who don't have kids and they complain about being busy and you're like, you don't have any idea how I'm being busy. I got five kids and this is not a good thing, right? So different stages of life. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a challenge. 
You know, the other one is this, is, is that, that sometimes they're just afraid of exposure, right? One of, the, one of the biggest reasons why people don't jump into community in like a life group at a church is because we're afraid that if we open our life up to somebody else, they might see something that we work really hard to try to hide. You know, maybe you don't want to invite somebody over or you, they don't want to invite you into their house because you know, they, they know that their marriage really isn't that great, even though it maybe appear to be. Or that their kids are really struggling with some things. And if they invite you in, then you might kind of find out that, that they're not the perfect family that they appear to be. So you kind of take our limited time, our limited ability, our limited capacity. You take these different reasons why people might not want to spend time with you, why they might not respond to this idea of neighboring and getting to know you more. And then you kind of come to this, this point of saying, okay, well then, how do I know who to focus on? Who do I spend the, the time that I have really getting to know and investing in? How do I know that that's the person really God's kind of put in my life to do that? Well, it, it's this principle, and we're going to talk about this today in the time that we have. We're going to talk about this idea. Listen, the, the Bible is going to teach us that, that we need to be friendly with many, but close with a few. That we need to be friendly with many and close with a few. That God doesn't expect us to be in close, deep relationships with many, many people. He only expects us to really have the capacity to be close to a few, but we're supposed to be friendly with a lot of people. And Jesus actually teaches and models for us this very practical relational principle. That you need to learn how to be friendly with many and close with a few. And listen, this goes outside of just this idea of neighboring. It goes to relationships. It goes to your coworkers. It goes to, maybe if you're a teacher, the, the students that you teach at school. It goes to the, the people that you're on a, on, on a team with. or you're, you know, All these kind of things. Listen, we can only be close to a few. That's a reality. And so Jesus wants to teach us, how do we identify who that few needs to be? How do we learn to live out this principle? And so in the book of Luke, Jesus teaches and gives commands to this group of 72 people. So these 72 followers of Jesus, right, that, that kind of accompany him, that are around him, that they, they tend to show up whenever he's preaching. They're not the 12 closest disciples. They're not the crowds of 5,000. But he chooses 72 and he gives them very specific instructions. And these specific instructions he gives them are to help them to know how they should go out to live and to engage people. And he teaches them this idea that you can only be close with a few. And here's how you can identify that. So let's kind of read this together and then we'll talk about it. Luke chapter 10 verse 1 says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to him. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag or extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. 
Verse 8, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever's set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. So let's talk about this. Jesus says, I want you to go out and I want you to go to these different homes. And here's the instructions I want to give you. When you go to that house, I want you to introduce yourself. I want you to welcome them. I want you to bless the home. I want you to offer peace. You offer this invitation of relationship, this invitation of connection. And if they respond in a way that accepts that, that welcomes that, then I want you to stay at that house and I want you to focus on that family. Here's what he says in verse five and six. He says, whenever you enter someone's house, First say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. And so Jesus says, listen, there's going to be some people that when you go out, you're going to go welcome them. You're going to go meet them. You're going to go to their house. You're going to develop this connection with them. And there's going to be some that are open to that. Some that are are willing to accept you. They're willing to welcome you. But there's going to be others who aren't. He says, the ones who welcome you. The ones who return that offer of peace. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay with them. But if they don't, I want you to move on until you find a person of peace. And in some translations refer to these people, not as just peaceful people, but actually they refer to them with this idea of this is a person of peace. And a person of peace is is basically this. We're taking notes, write this down. A person of peace is someone who is hospitable and open to you a relationship, and then your message. So a person of peace is someone who's hospitable, and they're open to a relationship and a message. Because see, as they would go and they would offer peace, the idea was they were looking for a place to stay, looking for a place to invest. And they had a message that they wanted to share with the people, this message about Jesus and his love for them and his love for the entire world. Everything that we're going to celebrate next Sunday at Easter, they were forecasting this, they were proclaiming this. And Jesus says, listen, don't just invest in and be close to many because it's impossible. He said, be friendly with many, but be close with a few. And the few that I want you to be close with are these persons of peace. Now, you might look at that and you might say, okay, well, doesn't that limit the ability to interact? Like, shouldn't they, that, isn't that a bad strategy? Shouldn't they go and tell this house and that house and this house and that house and every house about Jesus? Why would they not stop and share? Well, why would they, Jesus say, listen, stop and spend time in this one house? Well, it comes back to the purpose. The purpose that Jesus had was Jesus wanted them to learn to love the person, to engage in a relationship. It's kind of like light. Light has different purposes. Right? A light bulb, the purpose of a light bulb is to, to shed a little bit of light on a larger area. But a light bulb is not that powerful. It's limited. But if you take the same light and you focus it into a laser, that laser has more power than a light bulb. And that laser actually is more beneficial to do certain things. And so Jesus is saying, the end goal is not just to go out and be shallow with a lot of people. The end goal is to love people. And you only learn to love people and are able to love people when you're willing to invest some time in them. But understand, you can't be close to that many people. It doesn't work like that. 
And so Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to find these persons of peace. And he shares five things about what do we need to look for? What do we need to remember and understand as we go and look for these persons of peace? Because here's the thing. That same call, that same command, that same strategy, I believe is what Jesus has for us. That as we get to know our neighbors, we get to know those who are close to us as coworkers and, 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 and the parents of our, our kids' friends and all that kind of stuff, there's no way that we can be close to everybody. But we need to look for the people of peace. And Jesus says, as you're looking for the people of peace, I, I, wanna, I want you to remember these five things. And here, here's what he says. First one is this. He says, you need to remember the idea of time and timing. That when you look for a person of peace, you look to establish relationships with people, that timing has a factor to that. He says this in Luke uh, 10, verse 2. He says, he told them the harvest is plentiful. So okay, listen, the harvest is is plentiful, meaning this, that there's a season of time that's happening now when people are going to be open to you and the message that you're bringing about my love, about Jesus. Now, that timing hasn't always been there. Harvest is a time where you reap, where you get the benefits, the reward. There's also a time of planting. He says, listen, this is now a season of harvest. And it could be that some of the people in your neighborhood, some of the people in your life, the reason why they're not open to you is because it's not the right time. Or the reason why they're not open to that invitation to come to church or they're not wanting to talk about faith in Jesus is because it's not the right time for them yet. And we need to recognize, listen, people of peace are are welcome to us and it's the right time for us to engage with them. The second thing is to remember this, that, that Jesus talks about the importance of team. It says this, that, that he sent them out in pairs. That he, that he sent them out ahead of him in pairs. So Jesus didn't send them out by themselves. He sent them out in community. And one of the things we, we need to understand is, is that as we have this task of, of doing this, that we're not doing this all by ourselves. And that sometimes it's good for us to, to find another follower of Jesus in our area or around the office or, or in our school classes and say, okay, listen, you know, let's kind of do this together. You know, one of the reasons why we, we are so passionate about life groups is because life groups are, are designed to have this outward focus as well. Our life groups are opportunities for you to gather with a smaller group of, uh, of people. And you meet together to, to develop relationships and to study God's word and talk about life. But also, the, there's a pur- purpose that we want our life groups to be thinking about the people who aren't here yet. And the cool thing is, is that they meet in neighborhoods all across this area. And those life groups are great opportunities for us as a community to say, listen, let's take the house that we meet in and let's invest in that neighborhood together. Jesus says, listen, there's power when we are seeking to reach people when we don't do it all by ourselves. But we find people to encourage us, to support us. Third thing he says is this, is that there's timing to think about, there's team to think about, but then there's also a target. That that there's a target, there's a focus Look what Jesus said in verse 1. He said, Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. He didn't send them out everywhere. He had a target, a very specific focus. He actually told them, don't talk to people on the road along the way because that's not your focus right now. I want you to go to these places. 
Because Jesus understood the, the power of focus. And Jesus practiced this in his life. The Bible tells us that Jesus did not give his time equally to every single person. That Jesus spent times with the multitudes or the crowds, up to 5,000 people a couple of times. And he spent time there, but then he spent all time also with this group of 72. And he kind of invested in them a little bit more, but then he spent the majority of his time with the, the, the group of 12 disciples. Those 12 closest followers. But then out of that 12, there were three that he would actually invest in even more than just simply the 12. And so Jesus understood that relationships are, are not all the same and that we can't give our time equally to every person that wants our time. And that's, that's a challenge for us, right? Because we, we don't want to be unfair. We don't want to play favorites. But the reality is this, is that we can't be equal with everybody and really be deep with anybody. We can't give everybody our time and, and really develop close relationships. And that's a challenge as we grow old, grow bigger as a church. Because, you know, I, I'm as a pastor, you know, I can't spend my time equally with every person that may want my time. There, there's not a, there's not an ability to do that. That's why being part of a life group, developing community, serving on a team is so important because I'm not in our staff. We're not the, the sole source of connection you can have at our church because it's just not possible. But we've got to adopt this idea. Andy Stanley, this pastor in Atlanta, says this, that we need to learn how to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. So we might not be able to do it for everybody, but if we can do it for somebody, we need to go ahead and do it. You know, the whole, you know, kindergarten principle level, if you don't have enough for the whole class, you can't have any, that doesn't apply in God's economy. That if you can do it for somebody, doesn't mean you have to do it for everybody. Because you're supposed to be friendly with many, but you can only be close to a few. And so there are some times we have to be unfair with our time. And we have to have a focus. Jesus said that. There's also a task. Jesus said, you have a, these 72 people, you've got a very specific task. That when you go find people of peace, right? I, there, there's something I want to accomplish through that relationship. Here's what he says. He says in verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So they were to go and they were to serve and they were to heal. They were to, to invest in the relationships of these people of peace. But they weren't just to get stuck on their actions being the only thing that talked about Jesus. They were called to actually announce, to share verbally the message of Jesus. See, our actions are important in relationships because they, they build credibility. But our actions aren't enough. Jesus says that he wants us to pair our actions with our words. That there comes a time in relationships when we're, we need to step up and say something to somebody. That we can't just assume that they're going to hear about Jesus because I'm nice to them. That when the timing's right, we need to be bold enough to share our faith verbally. There's power when we communicate the truth about Jesus to people. Not just through our actions, but through our words. Romans says this, Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. There's power when we communicate. And maybe that's kind of where you are right now. Is you've got people in your life that you're investing in, that you know that they, that they, that they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and you're not friends with them so that they'll become followers of Jesus, but you know that the best thing that happened to you was to choose Jesus. And you know the best thing that can happen to them is for them to find faith in Jesus. And so you've been loving them, you've been caring for them, your actions have been showing how incredible Jesus is, but now it's time to have that conversation and say, hey, listen, can I just tell you why I do what I do? Can I just tell you the most important thing in my life? Can I just invite you to come to church with me? There comes a time where that mouth has to communicate Jesus. Our words have to speak. And we've got to be willing to do that. But then Jesus also says this, that you're, you're also going to find trouble. That you've got to think about the timing in people's lives. You've, you've got to think about the target, you know, kind of who, who God is calling you to, who's that person of peace, that you need to recognize that you're not in this alone and don't go at it alone. You need to recognize this, that, that there's a task at hand, that we're about sharing the message through our actions, but also through our words. But then we need to recognize this, that, that we're going to come across trouble. Jesus prepared him for it. Here's what he said. He said that, now go, in verse, verse 3, now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. So there's, there's some danger in relationship. There's the possibility of getting hurt. There's a possibility of being rejected. He says, listen, that's how it is. He says that, that, that there's this danger, there's this trouble that's going to come. Not everybody who Jesus encountered, not everybody who Jesus invited, not everybody who Jesus loved embraced him and loved him back. And the same is true for us. That there are going to be people that we feel like are around us for a purpose and we're going to reach out to them and they're not going to want to get to know us more. They're not going to want to accept this loving, neighborly way of life. There's going to be some that are going to get mad because we're spending more time with this person than we are spending with them. That we're going to encounter trouble because relationships can get messy. We're going to be rejected at times. People are going to break our break confidence at times. People are going to hurt us at times. Jesus says, listen, I, I understand that. But your call is to love people. To be friendly with many, but close to a few. So how do we recognize that person of peace? Jesus says the timing is going to be right. He says that we're going to do this in teams. We're going to do this, you know, in community with others. We're not going at this alone, that, that there's a certain focus we need to have, that there's a task at hand, that, that it's not always going to be easy. So how do we know, how do we be able to identify that person of peace? Well, it's not that complicated, really. But, but Jesus really, in his passage, gives us three ways we can identify that. Because you might be thinking about people around your block or your apartment complex. You might be thinking about people at work and you're going, I wonder if that's maybe a person of peace. You're like, I definitely know that's not, right? Like, what about this person? You know, and so you're kind of like, okay, I, but, but how, like, how do I know? How will I know? Well, Jesus says that a person of peace really does three things. The first one is this, is that a person of peace welcomes us. A person of peace welcomes us. He says to them, he says, that I want you to go out, and when you go to the home, I want you to say, may God's peace be on this house. And he says, if those who live there are peaceful, if they're a person of peace, then that blessing will stand. They'll accept that. They'll welcome you. They'll welcome this opportunity. They'll welcome this invitation. They'll welcome this blessing. Listen, people of peace are, the, are not the people that avoid you when they see you coming, right? 
if, if you've gone over to this neighbor's house three times and invited them to come to dinner and they've said no three times in a row, they're probably not a person of peace. If you go to this neighbor's house and you knock on the door and you know they're inside because you can see them through the mini blinds, but they never answer, they're probably not a person of peace. Now, does that mean we get mad and we egg their house? Absolutely not, right? But it means that's not the person we're going to be close to. The person of peace may be this neighbor that, that when they see you, they actually come over and talk to you. Or they see you outside, they, they, they engage, they, they welcome you, right? They, they're open to you. People of peace are people that are naturally, they're, just, they're, they're drawn to us. They like us. Those are oftentimes our people of peace. But So they begin with a welcome, but then they don't just welcome, but they also accept. They, they accept us. Jesus says this in verse 16. So then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. He said that a person of peace is not only going to welcome you into their house, they're going to accept you. And they're going to accept the, the message that you're sharing with them. So, so a person of peace is somebody who not only is just nice to you, but they, they do more than just welcome you. Like they, they invite you in. They, they accept you. Maybe you, you know, invite them to come to church and you know that maybe they're, they're not 100% on board, but, but they're not rejecting it. And maybe they say, yeah, I'll come or I'll try to be there. And there's an openness there, right? You know, there's somebody who, you know, they're not just like constantly waiting to argue any, anything that you do. They're not nitpicking everything. Like they're not walking over just to tell you how your, your grass needs to be done differently, right? Like there's, this, there's, an, there's an accepting part of that. And they're accepting not only to you, but they're accepting to maybe kind of what you're wanting to do. So you start, you're talking to your neighbors and you're like, man, I wish we could just be closer as a neighborhood. You know, I've been thinking about throwing a block party and they're like, that would be incredible. How can I help? They're, they're on board what you're wanting to do. You're like, hey, let's, 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 let's do a community garage sale. You know, maybe people will get outside and we can kind of walk around and kind of get to know some people. I, I just want to do that. And they're like, listen, I'll help coordinate that. But they're accepting of a view, and, and, and they're, they're not ones that, that just kind of belittle your faith or, or, or question everything that you do. But then the third thing we see that Jesus says is that not only do they accept you and welcome you, but they actually support you. They actually do things to serve you. In verse 7, he says, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking whatever they provide. Don't hesitate, but accept hospitality. So this is a challenge for some, for some of you because you feel like, no, I'm the one that's supposed to be serving them. So like you go over and take a cake, you know, and then they bake like a three-tiered cake the next time for you. And you're like, oh, you know, or you're kind of like, you know, I didn't have time to do anything. So I went to the store and bought cookies and they homemade cookies. You know, you're like, okay, right. You know, like you want to invite them to, to, to come over for dinner and then they invite you first. And you're like, I'm supposed to be looking, I'm supposed to be serving them. Listen. People of peace, they want to serve you too. And sometimes the best thing you can do for a relationship is to actually be available for people to bless you. To welcome that. And and, and Jesus gives some very, very practical stuff. Look what he says. He says, stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. So here's what that means. They invite you over to dinner and they serve asparagus. And you hate asparagus, you eat it in Jesus' name. <laughs> right? You know, they invite you to come over and you're, you're kind of like, I, I, I don't like football. I don't watch football. But they're doing a football party, you go watch football. 
You know, that they invite you over and, you know, and you, you're, you're hospitable. You, you allow them to, to serve you, you know. You're out of town. They come over and mow your yard and they, can to- they, they totally just butcher your yard. And you're like, oh, don't touch my yard. I wouldn't care. I'm like, mow it. But anyway, like maybe that's you, you know. And, and, but you know what? Don't make it a big deal. Let them serve and support you. Because people never want to feel like they're a project, right? And if we ever view people as a project, then it actually hinders the relationship. So listen, we, we have to learn how to be friendly with many people, right? I mean, even Jesus said this, listen, the, the people that, that reject you, he said, you know, listen, go in the street and dust off your feet. And it's kind of like, well, what, what is he saying? Like, is he saying like we need to be rude and ugly to people? And, and I, don't, I don't really think that's what, what he's saying. I think what he's really talking about, the, the core principle is, is what we talked about last week, is that we are responsible to people, but not for people. And when he told them to go and, and dust and shake off the dust of, of that city's streets from their feet, they were saying, it's not my responsibility anymore. See, we have a responsibility to love, to care for, to support, but we're not responsible for the results. And so it was basically them saying, you know what? You've rejected the gospel. You've said, no, I can't force you. It's no longer me. It's on, it's on you. But I want you to know that the kingdom is here. We've got to learn to be friendly with many, but close to a few. So here's the question. Here's the takeaway. Because it's like, like so much of this series, right? It's a very, very simple idea. But it's not always easy. So here's the question. Who in your life and who in your neighborhood, right, is that person of peace? Who are the people of peace in your life and neighborhood? Who are those people that welcome you? Who are those people that are open to you? Who are those people that accept you, that support you? Who are those people that, that you, you know as you develop relationships with, there's, just, there's something open about them that maybe not be with somebody else? Who's that, who's that group? Who's that person? And could it be that that's the person that God is leveraging you and leading you to grow closer to, knowing that you can't do that for everybody, but you've never been called to? But maybe you're like, Zach, I don't, I don't know if I have that person. Well, here's a prayer I want to leave you with. Mike Breen's an author and, 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 and pastor and kind of a teacher. And he, he said this, talking about this idea of person of peace. He said, Here, here's a prayer that he prays. He said, Lord, bring into my path today a person of peace and give me the grace to speak your words to this person. So he said, here's my prayer. Is that if I don't know that person, or maybe I do, but I'm not certain, then pray this prayer honestly. Lord, bring into my path today a person of peace. And give me the grace to speak your words to that person. Let me identify that. Let me have the right thing to say. Let me invest in people in a genuine and authentic way. Who's that person of peace in your life? Who are those people of peace? I wonder, do you know who they are? If not, are you willing to begin to look at the people around you with with a different lens? See, we're going to move into our response time, and and I want to challenge you to respond in a very, very direct way today. 
You know, throughout the series, we've had these boards up on the, the sides of the stage, and we've been identifying and, and asking you to write down people who maybe are your neighbors, maybe they're your coworkers, but they're people who God has placed on your mind, on your heart to be praying for, and specifically maybe to invite to Easter. Well, I wonder if there's a person of peace in your life that needs to go on that board, that you want to put up there to say, listen, this is, this is Joe, and Joe's that person of peace. I just want to pray for him. I know that God has him in my life for a specific purpose. And you want to identify that. It could be that maybe that you're here today and, and you just need some prayer about something in your life. Our prayer team is going to be on both sides of the stage. Or maybe you want to join in just singing this song called Yes and Amen. A song that just declares a reminder that God is with us. His word is true. His promises are always dependable. And that no matter where we go or what he calls us to do in our life, he's there to support us. And loving God and loving our neighbor truly is the best way to live. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, for how true it is, how right it is. God, how practical it is. And God, how you don't just call us to do things like invest in our neighbors and to love them and have relationships and leave us to figure it all out on our own. But you, you teach us in very practical ways how to have great relationships. And so God, today, would you help us to understand what it looks like in our life to be friendly to many, but close to a few. God, who those people of peace are that are around us. Help us to make the, 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 the right decisions to invest in those people, to love those people, to serve those people, to be open to those people. And God, not loving them so that we can get something from them, but God, prayerfully that one day through that relationship, they'll see you in us, in our words, our actions, in our lives. And they'll come to experience life in you, Jesus. So God, we give you this time. Lead us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.